Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. What's going on, everybody? Josh here. Before we get you ready for another edition of the Four Corners Podcast, here this week's ad from DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It is easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors like myself, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will, too. Listen to this great offer. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wagers are paid out in site. Credits restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. The 15th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is Carolina Basketball. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Michigan out of timeout. And Weber, front court, Carolina thought he'd travel with it. Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes a timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Now gets it away to Donald Williams, down the side to Stackhouse. Stackhouse streaking in on Park, reverse duck is good, and he gets fouled by Park. Oh my goodness, what a dunk! Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams' front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May! It's over! Carolina has won the national championship! Felton ready on his second attempt. That one is no good. A battle for it. Loose ball. Recovered Marvin. He scores! 72, and how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion. Matthews off the mark, and this year the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. From HeelToughBlog.com, this is the Four Corners Podcast, featuring your host, Josh Marlowe. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you. Last time I said that when we came on, the next time we would be given our top five wins of the Roy Wimps area from the non-conference season. That has been put on delay until the next time. We are talking to you because we got some news about uh, Will Shaver going to early enroll. We're going to update you on the NBA Finals, a fantastic NBA Finals we've been given this season. But before we get out get to all that we will start with the pod thought of the day we go back to the goat michael jordan and his his thought goes like this 
be true to the game because the game will be true to you. If you try to shortcut the game, then the game will shortcut you. If you put forth effort, good things will be bestowed upon you. That's truly about the game. And in some ways, that's about life too. So there you go. That was from... Michael Jordan, some great insight to the game of basketball, which, you know, Dean Smith, Roy Williams, now Hubert Davis, they've also used it as a great metaphor for the game of life. I said we got some news about Will Shaver, and it's pretty it's pretty important. It's exciting news for on the court for Carolina, but it, this decision to early enroll really affects Carolina in recruiting in that 2022 class. If you read the article up on HeelToughBlog.com, I kind of went through. He's going to early enroll in January, foregoing his senior season of high school basketball, and will redshirt once he arrives to campus in 2021 uh, and 22. I, you know, when I initially saw the news, I thought, was well, he going to join the team after the uh, winter break and be a part of the roster for the ACC season. I don't know if that's even a possibility. If it was, he's not. He is going to redshirt, um, and so he'll be a redshirt freshman come the start of the 2022-23 season. And this is something that you don't see a lot of in college basketball. Um, it's really, and it's mainly because of how long the season is. When the season starts in October with practice, if you make the national title game. March Madness ends in early April, so there's really not a whole lot of this time early enrolling to play, let alone redshirting. You see it a lot on college football where high school football players enroll in spring or or in January, and that's why you've seen so many freshmen kind of become big-time players at the college level. That wasn't common when we we were younger, when we first got into college football. Redshirt freshmen, true freshmen, they weren't even really star players where today those guys are winning Heismans, leading teams to national championships. A little bit different in college basketball. But I do think um, this could be something that we could see in the college game moving forward, especially with Hubert Davis at the helm with the guys that are going to be important in terms of their the development. We know Will Shaver is a three- to four-year guy on paper as of right now, and he could, tran- he could transcend to be a two-year player. But for guys that are, you know, are going to be a staple of your program, like Will Shaver is going to be, I think it's this could be a, 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 a scenario that Hubert Davis goes to to kind of get these guys more ingrained to be more impactful players as freshmen. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely one way that you could look at it. I think he's definitely going to have a chance to come in, develop in the system, and it's it's something that I, I think for a guy like him that comes in as you know a, a three-star prospect, probably going to end up being a four-star prospect, but he's in the lower spectrum. This is probably what's best for him to come in and have a chance to make an impact, if he want, especially if he wants to do it early. And he may be one of those guys that has said to the staff, look, I know I may not be the most talented on paper guy, but I've got a work ethic. I want to come in here and try to make my impact felt. I think the other thing that this shows also is this may be a move by Hubert Davis, because I think you're right. I think part of this is definitely... Um, you know, sort of put in motion by him. I think this is also probably an effort to get a little ahead of the curve because you don't really know exactly what lies ahead for you in that front court. There is a legitimate chance that you could be without all three of the guys that are there uh, after this upcoming season. I mean, yep. you, you, we're feeling really good about the way the front court's looking right now. And look, I mean, I think he's a he's a heck of a player at the college level. 
personally, I don't think that Armando Baycott is a guy that's going to end up having the opportunity to leave early. I don't even think after next year, unless he takes a huge leap with his game, um, really shows his ability to step away from the basket and knock down shots, I just don't feel like he's probably going to be a guy that can leave for the NBA early. He's not really going to have that opportunity. But you never really know. And if you run into a situation where you don't have him, Dawson Garcia is a guy that we look at and say, uh, he could be here for one year. Definitely. He's he's a guy that's got the talent. He's got the ability to space the floor. He can drive the basket like some of these bigs that you like. He could definitely sneak himself into the first round if he plays well enough this season. And then Brady Mannix using his extra year this year. So we know he's going to be gone. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is a good move by Hubert Davis and and. Uh, Will Shaver as well to maybe try to get ahead of the curve that you know of, of him coming in and having to learn, uh, you know, like during next summer and saying, look, we're going to get you in here, and look, you may not be the guy that we're going to use the most out of the freshman next year. That'll probably still be Jalen Washington, even though he'll come in later than you. But we want to have you prepared for if you have to play a big role on this team. We're probably going to look in the transfer portal. I, I don't think that. I mean, if, if Hubert Davis is being realistic, he's probably saying to himself, we may have to look there next year as well. But at the same time, I think that they want to have this young man prepared, and this is one of the ways that you can sort of get ahead of it and, and get him in here learning the things he needs to learn. I don't think Carolina fans have open or, or open to the possibility of going through what we just went through this offseason, where you practically lose your whole entire front court. That is a possibility after next season. You're already losing Brady Manick. Armando Baycott and, Gos- and Dawson Garcia, they went through the NBA draft process to a certain degree. Um, Garcia was even at the combine and, and was a big-time player in some of those games that they played up there. Armando Baycott was not. But, I mean, you got to remember, before we brought in Manick, before you brought in um, Garcia, you were returning one of your four front court players, and that was Armando Baycott. And there was possibility you were going to be without him. You can't be caught in that same situation ever again because it's not always going to be this easy to rebuild the front court. You got you got lucky with Brady Manick. You got, you know, where he, because of COVID, he has an extra year. If COVID doesn't happen, his career is over. You're not walking into a guy that's a career 38% three-point shooter, can score 10 points, grab five rebounds. And so I do think that's probably the biggest driving force behind all of this is that if we get caught in the situation again, you got to have at least one guy that you know knows what you want to do. And Look, we're not in practice, but when you listen to people that talk that are around Carolina basketball, the changes that are going to happen on the court I think are a lot more drastic than we imagine them to be. Carolina is going to look a lot different when we see them on the court in a, a few months. Are they still going to do certain, some of the certain things that Roy Williams did? Absolutely. Are they going to do some of the things that Dean Smith did? Absolutely. But they're going to do a lot of things that Hubert Davis wants to do that we didn't get to see because, let's be honest, they don't televise JV games. And that's where he's tried out a lot of things. I'm shocked they haven't right. started. Uh, we got to go ACC Network. I'd rather watch that than infomercials at 3 a.m. in the morning. I mean, here's my thing. You got you got that. You got ESPN Plus. You got you know the ACC Network Extra or whatever. Right. Throw them on there. So, and I, I think that's something that we these guys are going to need this little bit of time to get adjusted, get into Carolina shape. He he's in basketball shape. But it's different when you come to Carolina. This is an NBA system in the college model. Um, and I, 
I hope this is something that maybe we see more in college basketball where you get to see some of these freshmen that forego their senior season and I get you know they're giving up their prom and all this kind of stuff. But if this kid wants to be a professional basketball player, this is probably the best thing for them to do moving forward um, because you don't get the AAU circuit. Uh, once you graduate high school, that's done. And that's the most beautiful part of their game is not what they do in the high school. It's the AAU ball. We're seeing that now with AAU back after last year, COVID taking it away. Um, but, you know, we'll just have to see the way that it goes. The big thing that it does, and it's so ironic because last time we talked about recruiting, we were like, oh, well, Carolina's done in 2022 with that front court because you got Will Shaver, you got Jalen Washington. That's no longer the case. Will Shaver will not be a part of that 2022 class officially because he's going to early enroll. Um, so now there is room again for Carolina to go get another front court player in the recruiting cycle if they want to. I do believe the transfer portal will be an option that they heavily watch, and that will be a big part of how Hubert Davis stocks and adds talent and depth to his roster, I think, for as long as he's the head coach or as long as the transfer portal is, of course, around. Uh, but with Will Shaver being a part of that class four, he reclassified. UNC's class was ranked number one in the country, but because of him and Jalen Washington being committed, they're out of the running for Derek Lively. Isaac Trout's really cooled off because too much front court talent. A lot like how Carolina lost it on Dawson Garcia. You already see two guys committed. There's three guys on the roster already. When are minutes going to be available? Oh, yeah, so just hold out until next year, and then you can enter the transfer portal, right. and you might have a shot. Right, and this brings us all kind of back full circle to a guy that when Hubert Davis first got the job. <laughs> a guy that we kind of downplayed on the last podcast. A guy that we pretty much written off. But now this guy, I don't know if he's a must-get, but he's an in-state prospect. He's a four-star out of the Asheville area, so right out of the Roy Williams's neck of the woods. Deontay Green, who was supposed to be on campus in June, he's coming in August. This seems like a spot where Carolina probably has to attack this again heavily if they want to add another front court player to that 2022 class. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I mean, I don't think he's a must get. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't really know what their outlook is here because I mean with Shaver like yeah I mean he's out of this class technically but like you said he's coming in and he's redshirting so he's going to be a, a freshman when he comes to campus I, I don't think like even if you look at the class on paper and if you're just somebody that is just looking class to class and you see well they only landed two commits in this class okay but you had a guy that reclassified so I think they've still taken care of that need I think the thing that's interesting is you got to figure out how do you how you want to play this because if you're Hubert Davis, you probably want to keep a, a roster spot open for a possible transfer down there. But at the same time, it's probably an area where okay, we've talked about that scenario that you could lose all three of the guys in your front court. Mm -hmm. So at the same time, you don't want to be caught in that spot where you have you know pretty much two front court guys next year. I mean, we're we're completely forgetting about the fact that Dontre Styles will probably be factoring in some there somewhere over there as well but everyone expects him to be a wing player That's, yeah i mean the, I, the expectation is he's got four or five you know the power forward size but Everyone thinks he's a wing player well, in I think today's worst, basketball, especially under Hubert Davis. Wor worst comes to worst, they would go very, they would go small. They would, and I'm talking like really small. Like, I do think Carolina's going to do that anyway. I think you're going to see so much more matchup basketball 
from Carolina's side than we've ever seen. Like, we thought when we went small in 2018, 2019, or when we went small with P.J. Hairston back in 2013 and 14, that's, I think that's not even going to compare to what we're going to see from Carolina this season. I mean, Styles has size. He's what, 6'7", six, 6'... Six, I, I, I think he might be 6'8". So that really isn't going to kill you if he's on the floor. So he would probably be another guy that you would factor in there. But honestly, yeah, you would probably still want about three guys that are probably around 6'9 or taller for to, to play in your front court. Because, yeah, you would, uh, I mean, ideally, you would like to have Styles as your wing because you haven't really had that dynamic wing since Cam Johnson left. And even with Cam Johnson, I mean, in, in at, at the college level, he was a little bit limited as a player. Now, <laughs> he, he, with what he did from beyond the arc, that made him an extremely valuable asset for you. But he wasn't a guy that you were giving the ball and he was creating his own shot, driving to the basket. That was never what he was. We didn't have to. You didn't have to. But, yeah, but that's what you're looking for now because you, I mean, I don't know. You Maybe you've been trying to recruit that guy over the last couple of years. You haven't had that guy since he's left. I, and be, I don't know if you're going to have that guy. To be honest with you, they haven't, they haven't tried to bring in that type of player. In my opinion, because if they would have tried, the model is is right there that says, "Look what we just did with Cam Johnson. He came in. He was a lottery pick. So we got him to the NBA and all that." Well, he also Carolina didn't they they didn't try to because you were loaded in the front court and you were bringing in elite point guard talent, and everyone thought that was going to well. That seems the the wing seems like the one spot that you've kind of neglected. Well, when you don't have shooting. Trend. I mean, and that that's where it shows up. If Carolina could shoot the ball a little bit better, that, that's why everyone goes back to Cam Johnson because he was – I mean, he shot 48% from three his senior season. Yeah, and I mean, look, you're and not And he expecting... shot a lot of them. It wasn't an outrageous number on limited tips. He shot yeah. a lot of threes yeah. and shot 48%. And, and see, you're not expecting that guys are going to – you're not expecting every shooter that you have on the court to come out and shoot like that. You don't even – to be honest with you, you don't even need one guy to shoot like that. You need a group of guys that can shoot the ball well. But I mean, it, I just—they have not had historically. Even if they were to try to recruit a guy like Cam Johnson, remember they had to get Cam through the transfer portal. The guys that they have recruited, bringing in that they thought were shooters or had the ability to shoot the ball in high school, it hasn't panned. Out. It hasn't panned out all that well. So I don't know if that's the strategy you want to take. You're hoping Styles is a guy that can sort of attack the basket a little bit. You're looking for that guy, maybe not on the same level in terms of him coming out of high school. You're looking for a more traditional wing that can create his own shot but can drive the basket as well. You're looking for your next Harrison Barnes or what you thought Harrison Barnes was going to be. That's what Styles could be, and that's what you're looking for. Another like The guy that I think most people were hurt about not getting was Zaire Williams. That was the guy that everybody sort of looked at and said, this is what we w- you would want in a wing. He has the ability to knock down the outside shot, but he also has the ability to put the ball on the floor and drive to the basket, finish at the rim, finish at the free throw line. There's so many different aspects. That's what you're looking for well, in your guy. I mean, you and that's what that's what you're hoping Styles becomes, but we don't we don't know. You can you know you go look at Cam Johnson, look what he did. Harrison Barnes, number one recruit. But remember how in, invaluable and how much it hurt when this program lost Reggie Bullock even. 
He was a wing player that was a 38, you know, 35 to 40% three-point shooter, but could do a little bit of everything. He could play elite defense, could rebound the ball. Like, that's the kind of guy when I that I think would thrive so much more under Hubert Davis. And look, and Reggie was a great player for Caroline under Roy Williams, and he's gone on to have a prolonged NBA career as a 3 and D guy. Those are the types of guys that Carolina just hasn't had, and it, it showed up in the years where they haven't gone as deep in the NCAA tournament as they should have. When you've had great winged players, Danny Green, Justin Jackson, what happens? You win national championships and you compete at the highest level. That's why they're all in on Cam Whitmore. Their whole entire staff was at the Peach Jam this weekend to see him. They're all in on Tyler Nickel, but that's not until 2023. That's still a whole nother recruiting class away. Right. Here's the thing, though. To tie this back into what this has to do with another big man in this class is basically what we're saying is your ideal situation would be to either bring another big man in in this recruiting class, which would be at this point, Deontay Green, unless I mean you've got Kyle Flipowski. I think yeah, Filipowski. I think that's it. Everyone was discouraged but, because we got in late on him. But my whole thing is, look at all the guys Carolina's gotten in late on, and they've gotten to commit to. He he just received an offer from Kentucky today. He's a guy that his recruitment is going to change. It's going to be wide quickly. open, probably. Like too. if Carolina wants in on this recruitment, they are going to have a chance because I mean, l- let's be honest, it doesn't really matter when you get in on a guy. The other thing is, is in terms of an offer, an offer. I mean, look, that signifies that they are officially going after a guy. They could have been talking to him for a while beforehand. But, I mean, this happens all the time. Especially, I mean, it's across all sports where you jump in late on a prospect – but, I mean, you, you don't really know the, the prior relationship that they had. You don't know how much the kid values that scholarship offer that he's getting. But it isn't – the thing is, is you ideally you would want Styles at the three. You would want to find that extra front court player. The thing that you have to ask yourself if you're Hubert Davis is, right now we take on another member of this front court. Does this leave us an option – going forward to bring in a veteran guy through the transfer portal again next year if we need that. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I think you've got to keep that door open because you don't know what your front court is going to look like next year. You don't want to get stuck in a situation where you're going to be playing a freshman Jalen Washington at 6'9", probably as your five-man, and let's say you're stuck with Justin McCoy as your guy that's starting at the four. That's a scenario you want to avoid at all costs. I forgot to mention this when I started with the leadoff of Will Shaver enrolling. Because he will be on the roster and redshirting, he does fill the last roster spot for this season. So no more transfer portal news for Carolina unless a player decides to leave the program because which now, isn't shocking i mean i think we all kind of knew that it said it seemed like after garcia they were pretty much done. yep and i mean you know the, the the portal believe it or not it is starting to cool down marcus carr him he's transferred into texas um kofi coburn corsetta illinois so a lot of the big name all the all the big oh, oh, banner went to texas tech so oh, all, yeah, yeah all yeah. the big names they have pretty much find us they, they found their new homes um so carolina was going to be quiet on that front anyway i think that's a big reason why they pushed to have him enroll was they were they were taking themselves out of the transfer market but I do think that's ultimately the best route would you love to add an in-state player like Deontay Green absolutely would you like to add the Kyle Filipowski absolutely 
But you've got to look at the future and say, you know you're losing Manic. You could potentially lose Garcia or Baycott or both. You would much rather bring in a experienced veteran player or a guy that has experience at the you know Power Five level as opposed to bringing in a recruit because you don't. There's not a slight to Justin McCoy. You don't want him being your starting four man. Well, first of all, he, the main reason you don't want him being your starting four is because he's he's small. Yeah, he's six is he? I believe he's six eight as well. So, I mean, if you're going to do that. You're, you're pretty much selling yourself out as being a team that's going to play small ball. And the other thing that I think, if you end up doing that, I mean, you, you're kind of handcuffing yourself anyways because who are you putting at that at that five? You really want the biggest guy on the floor? Because he's going to have to be out there anyways. You want the biggest guy on the floor to be a 6'9", Jalen Washington? I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think that's going to win you many games, especially in the ACC. You think that's beating Florida State and the size they have inside? I don't. I don't see it. Oh yeah. So no, 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 that's that's night. That's night. You know, nightmare scenario. That's the lineup when you're wanting to make the other team adjust to what you're wanting to do, not what you got to play with and, and live with the results that you get. Right. Um, but I think we've seen through the first three months of the Hubert Davis era, and I put that in quotation because we haven't officially played a game, they're they're being proactive. And it looks like they are putting this roster in the best situation for if for any situation to happen, they're gonna be okay. And look, if Carolina lands Jaden Bradley, we're not gonna we're not gonna care that we only brought in one front court player officially in the 2022 class. That's gonna make or break this class for Hubert Davis. They bring him in, Carolina fans will be satisfied. Five-star point guard from the Cannon School up in Concord. Of course, now at IMG. You bring him in. No one's going to be questioning you and all that. But sadly, if he goes somewhere else, which is a legitimate possibility, they're going to freak out. We're going to come on here and talk everyone off the, you know, off, off the ledge. But I think that's where this class is now. You add Jaden Bradley, you're great. And maybe you add another piece here or there that's a, that's a three- or four-year guy. But – that's just my opinion. I mean, I don't really think it matters. Like I said, again, this was a class that was the number one class in all of college basketball before Shaver recommitted. If you follow recruiting and if you know about this class when he ended up committing, you know that this is still a, the class. Technically, he's a part of the 21 class, but if you're looking at it, you're going to know that he was a – 22 recruit that decided to reclassify because this is the difference between him and people might say well what about if you look on the football side of it what about when Tony Grimes reclassified okay he was moved into that class but here's the other thing you will always associate Tony Grimes with the 2020 class because he played in 2020 we know Will Shaver is not going to play he is going to be a redshirt freshman that Redshirting in college basketball almost never happens. So he is basically going to be a part of this class. Pretty much what he's doing, he's getting a small head start inside the program than yep. as opposed to the other guys. So he in my book, he counts as part of this class. If you add Bradley, that's your fourth commit of the class. I that doesn't the fact that you, if you go online right now and look at their class ranking and say, "Well, you know, they're no longer ranked number 1." That doesn't mean anything to me. That means absolutely nothing because we know that Will Shaver is in this class and you've I mean, you've added two front court guys to go along with the guys that that you've brought in. It's just like I said, 
What are do you leave that spot open for a transfer? That's your question. Yeah. So we're going to wrap up with some NBA Finals talk, and uh, I mentioned in the in the open. This has been a fantastic finals, and it, it definitely has. If it goes, if those of you are invested in the in in the NBA, um, this has a feel of, it, of the mid two thousands, where you had small market teams with superstars. Milwaukee's got Giannis, uh, Phoenix has Devin Booker and Chris Paul, and Chris Paul has not been a superstar in these NBA finals. Dude, the environments in these final games have been unbelievable. Like I know that the big cities are said to have some of the best environments, and I mean, as a Nick fan, I mean, believe me, I, the Garden would be rocking. Yeah. These two locations, like I, I, I don't, I, I haven't seen it better in recent years. Like it almost felt at some points. Like I know Golden State had moments where it was it was great early on in their run, but I mean, at the end, it felt like them and Cleveland and Miami when they were going on their runs. Like it just felt they stale were at times. Like they just that was the expectation was to be in these buildings. Phoenix first final since '93. Uh, Milwaukee, their first final since 74. They're trying to win their first title since 71, and they're on the verge of it. They record, and they have a 3-2 to two lead over Phoenix. They have erased a 2-0 deficit. They've won three straight. They've stolen home court away from the Suns, meaning that Justin Jackson, if the Bucks win, will become the 18th different player to win an a NCAA championship in 2017. And... Um, Excuse me. He'll be the 18 different Tar to win an NBA title and the fourth former Tar to win a college a college title and an NBA title, joining Danny Green, Michael Jordan, and James Worthy. Um, so, neat noted for him. We're going to focus more on Cam Johnson because he's the guy that's gotten to be on the court in these NBA finals. And I've had some arguments with a lot of Tar Heel fans about why he's not on the court. Um, I know Jay Crowder is missing shots. The Jay Crowder stand, but only one remaining. There are things that Jay Crowder does that are as valuable to Phoenix that Cam Johnson cannot do. But Cam has been phenomenal. 9.6 points, 3.2 rebounds, shooting 47% from three, 50% overall from the field, had that monster dunk in game was it game, was it no, game three? Was it game three of game the finals? Three. Um, it's been the dunk, or it was the dunk of the finals for Giannis's alley oop the other night. But he has been absolutely sensational um, for Phoenix. Yeah, uh, God, yeah. That that I mean those those two dunks are unbelievable. I mean, I'll tell you one thing: these finals have created some of the better moments in NBA Finals history in recent memory. Uh, yeah, I mean he's he's playing great. I mean, you wonder. I know he didn't play great in Game 5. He had six points, it, it, far from his best performance. But, I mean, you got to wonder if maybe they look to try to get him out on the floor a little bit more in Game 6. Just be, I mean, at this point, they've got to try something. Um, because, I mean, they, they need guys that can, that can put the ball in the basket. Because Chris Paul's not getting it done right now. He's been thrown off by Drew Holiday. Um, and, and I mean, you look at you know some of the other guys that were hitting shots early on. I mean, outside of Devin Booker, nobody else can make a shot. The good thing for him is is you know he's kind of looked at the at, at as the leader of this bench right now. Before Dario Saric's injury, you could have made a case that he was their guy, but now I think Cam Johnson's the guy that they're looking for to step up, and I think he's more than capable of it as we've seen. And you know, one of the things that I noticed about him a lot since he's left Carolina is he's sort of diversified his game. He's one of those guys that, you know, coming out in the draft, I said to myself, he's probably going to be a late first round guy. 
because one, he's he, his game is a little bit limited. You felt like he was that guy that was probably going to be looked at as, you know, a Kyle Korver type, a guy that was going to stand outside, knock down the three point shots for you. That that was what he thrived at best at the college level. He has become a much more complete player. In he's Phoenix. a he's a complete bench player in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, seriously, he's one of those guys that I'm going to tell you for about at least a third of the league, he would be a starter on their team. He is a legitimately good player. The reason that he comes off the bench is because he's on that good of a team. Now, that's hilarious because when we did the podcast after he got drafted, I told you that was one of the worst situations he could have ended up in the league, not knowing that eventually Chris Paul would end up going there. Luckily Um, for you, that audio is no longer available. It's been deleted because I believe I made the argument that was a good spot for him because of who his coach is. And Monty Williams has done a fantastic job with Cam Johnson. Um, the most fun part about this is how much the Mike Breen, Mark Jackson, and Stan and Jeff Van Gundy have raved about him, and they've given a lot of credit to Roy Williams on the air about the job they've done with him. They kind of forget what he did at Pittsburgh, which I mean, when you go winless in the ACC, I kind of forget about it too. But remember, Arnold he wasn't on that team though. That's right. He was that. That was after that was after he left. After he left, they because I got into an argument with somebody about this on Twitter. After they after he left, Pittsburgh finished the last two years of his career three and thirty three in the ACC. Yep. Um. <laughs> But it's just been it's been a lot of fun to watch his game develop. And it's kind of weird where like when Danny Green came out with a with a draft class that included Ty Lawson, Wayne Nelson, Tyler Hansborough, Danny Green became the best pro out of that group. And right now, as we're seeing a long way to go for Kobe White, a long way to go for Nazir Little, but Cam Johnson is turning out to be the best pro of, of that group. Of course, the situation's better because he's got Devin Booker, who's an elite player. You've got Chris Paul. DeAndre um, Ayton has DeAndre turned Ayton into what we thought he could. Is, is, is a great player. Definitely. But this is when you, when you look at, and, and this is what has made it even that much more glaring for Carolina on the recruiting trail. When you're missing this from the value that you've seen from him in college has transferred to the NBA. That's why Carolina's got to get another elite wing talent back in their program um, so they can compete to win another NCAA championship and put another guy in the NBA. But uh, the other elite wing talent, he's not doing a whole lot, but I did see him arguing a couple calls on the sideline. Yeah. Hey, this is all I'm going to say. Justin Jackson has a a role in the NBA. I don't know where it is. Or what it's going to be? I, I'm going to be honest with you. I just don't. I don't. I do not get how he has never latched on somewhere. I think the I, biggest I just problem. Don't get it. The biggest problem, and maybe he needs to start wearing the undershirt again. Oh man. Um, because you know he, he does look a little thin. The biggest problem is he's a liability defensively, and we knew that in college he wasn't a great. Yeah, def- but I mean, ha- there's plenty of guys like that at the NBA level. And I mean, but you if you're going to be a liability, you better shoot north of forty percent from behind the three point line. And he hasn't done that yet, but I do think, I do think there is a spot for him. Um, obviously, it's not in Milwaukee, but he is on the verge of getting a championship. He proved in Dallas that he can play at this level. He proved in Oklahoma City he can play at this level. He just got to get. Yeah, see, I thought that was the perfect situation for him in Oklahoma City. I, I I hate that he got traded out of there because, especially with all the guys that they ended up trading away this year and how bad they ended up getting in terms of their roster that was on the floor, I think he would have gotten a legitimate shot. I think he could have proved some things. But, you know, he's going to get a chance. I mean, he's got a chance to pick up a title here. It's just, you know, for him, you're you're looking and feeling like, man, you know, they're, he, him and 
and even Tony Bradley to a certain extent. You just are hoping at some point, can they get a chance to stick somewhere? Because it seems like every time that there is a trade by a team that they are on, they're involved. Yep. Every time they get shipped out. And it's like if they were in one central location and could learn a system, they would have a chance to be even solid players. All I'm saying is our beloved Knicks, they need shooting. Tibbs loves Carolina guys. You've got Theo Pinson, the best cheerleader in the NBA, on the roster. You've got Reggie Bullock on the roster. Yeah, Reggie Reggie, no longer the shooter that he was yeah. at the college level. Um, He's there, lost out of touch. He could find a home up in the Big Apple with Tom Thibodeau. What are you saying, Justin Jackson? Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know, though. You're talking about him being a defensive liability. I don't think that's really going to work too well with I think, uh, Tom. I, I think Tibbs knows, watch the way they lost the postseason. If we can't make shots, it doesn't going to matter. He can put the ball in the basket a lot better than Kevin Knox can for you. So, Well, Kevin, I'm going to be honest. Kevin Knox can't even put the ball in the basket in warm-ups at this point. So I, I, I'm not really too concerned about that. I think if, if we're talking former Tar Heels on the Knicks – and I know most people will have turned this part of the podcast off by now after hearing us talk about the Knicks on this podcast. Uh, it's probably Danny Green would be the yeah. best fit. But we'll have to wait and see. I'm going to be honest with you. I would not be heartbroken if they uh, eventually paid a, a, a nice sum of cash for Cam Johnson. So. Right. Or made a trade for Kobe White. I wouldn't be against that at this point either. My little brother did it on 2K. It's worked out well for his, the 2K Knicks. It could work out well for Dude, the. Uh, at this point, I don't care Knicks. who. I, I don't care if the G League team trades for Kobe White. As long as he gets out of Chicago, doesn't matter. They don't know how to use him right. I don't care what anybody says. He should be starting there. It should be him and Levine. If you want to win, that's what's going to win you ball games. They clearly don't see that, and it's no wonder the Bulls suck. Yeah. Well, that is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. We'll let you go. Get you guys to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. It was a busy weekend for us with more recruiting news for Carolina football as they missed out on two key recruits. Anthony takes you through that situation as Mac Brown will look to add talent to that recruiting class basketball side of things. We had the news on Will Shaver, um, and, and that was just about it. We are still awaiting ACC scheduling news, but – you know, we've been telling you all along, you've been seeing the videos up on the on the Facebook page. We are getting ready for football season. Fall camp is less than about two and a half weeks away. The season is just now under 50 days away. So get over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. We're getting you ready for a fun and exciting season of Carolina football. Last, we encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. We're on Megaphone now. We can find us everywhere, uh, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts. Give it a like. You know, review me as the host, review Anthony as the host. That'll help people who haven't found the Four Corners podcast find it. But we want you guys to subscribe. That way you get every podcast right there in your podcast library. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. <laughs>